Grab your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to continue in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount um, in a little sub-series called A Better Treasure, talking about having our focus of our life on the kingdom of God and pursuing Him with everything that we have. And this morning, the title of the sermon is, is very simple. The title of the sermon is, It's Simple But Not Easy. It's simple but not easy. Jesus is going to show us a simple truth, simple concept, but it's not uh, easy. So if you're there, if you have your Bibles open to Matthew 7, if you're there, I want you to say, speak, Lord. This is something new I'm going to start doing. So say, speak, Lord. Lord. Not that I'm Lord, but his word is. And so I want to be reminded of that this morning. And so Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Um, This morning, by the way, last week when I preached on the screen, I had a few Gilmer Campus people making fun of me because of my reader glasses. And uh, I just want to say this is something that's been needed in my life for a long time is reader glasses. And I've been in denial. 44 has done something to me. And um, I preached a few weeks ago, and I knew I needed glasses. I came off the stage, and I went home, asked my wife, said, hey, what did you think about the sermon? She's like, the sermon was great, but you need glasses. Because I was, uh, like, all over the place in my notes. And then um, uh, I didn't know it, but my assistant, Amy, was sitting next to Adrian. And midway through the sermon, I was so bad reading, she leaned over to Adrian. She's like, he needs glasses. So I have glasses, but I just want to make this mental note for everybody in here. I got my readers after Pastor Matt got his readers. And... Um, <laughs> Y'all don't know this, Pastor Matt is my, he's my older brother, he's my, I would call him elder brother, really. Um, he is, uh, he is older than me, he's four months older than me, and so God has told me to care for the elderly, and so just know I will always be there for Pastor Matt, but uh, these are new, so I'm getting used to it. Well, this morning we're talking about it's simple, but not easy. It's simple, but not easy. This passage of scripture right here really is helping us understand there is a choice to be made. Jesus has been preaching what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom, to follow his kingdom. And now he's, he's nearing the end of the sermon where he then is now going to say, now there's a decision that has to be made. And in fact, the intensity of the calling of what Jesus is going to uh, help us understand about the urgency of his message, the, the invitation that he's going to give over the next few weeks, you'll see this more and more. But today, he's, he's helping us understand that, that we have a decision to make. And this decision is simple, but it's not easy. The, the decision to follow Jesus, to embrace his message and embrace him, it's simple, but it's not easy. I, I don't know about you, but there are certain decisions that I make in life that sometimes could be so simple, but they're not easy. Anybody here understand that? So like just for instance, for instance, coming to church this morning, that's kind of a simple thing. You're going to come, you're not going to come, right? That's simple. But it's not necessarily an easy. Some of you had to realize that you had to stop hitting snooze on the alarm clock to get up. Uh, Some of you had to decide maybe to come home from a trip this weekend in order to be here. So others of you had to decide, look, this summer I could watch online, which is, I think, becoming the curse of the church. Uh, But you decided to come. Now, so the the decision is is simple, but maybe for some of you it wasn't easy. After the service, some of you are going to go eat food and go have lunch afterwards. And so that's simple enough. You're going to go somewhere and you're going to have lunch. But what's not so easy is making the decision of where to go. In my car, whenever we say, hey, let's go grab some food, that's simple. Now, where we're going to grab it from, that's when it becomes complex. Anybody testify to that? In life, there are times where it's simple, but then all of a sudden, when we actually have to make the decision, it's not so easy. 
And what I want to see this morning is this, is that there are, are some of you in the room and you, you know the gospel. You know the story of Jesus. You know the ins and outs of, of who Jesus is. And following Jesus seems so simple, but because it's not easy, some of you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. And you understand what it means, but you just haven't done it. There are others of you in the room that you understand, you've known Christ, and you understand the significance of following Jesus because you've made that decision. But remembering the brothers and sisters and people that you have in your neighborhood and the moms and dads and the aunts and uncles and the kids uh, who are on your ball team, understanding that they need a relationship with Jesus. It's simple to understand the need, but it's not so easy all the time to keep our focus on that. And what Jesus is going to do here, it's a very, for many people, a familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus is, is teaching us something that's very simple. It's very simple. Just think about the passage here. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter in it by, are many. And the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus simply says, hey, listen, in life, understand there are two gates. This is the, this is the message. There are two gates. There is a narrow gate and then there's a wide gate and Jesus is going to say there, there's also two paths there's a, a hard path and then there's an easy path and Jesus is going to say hey listen not only that there's two destinations there's a destination that leads to life and then there's a destination of destruction and then he's going to say there are two groups of people there are the many and then there are going to be the few so just think about how simple this message is that Jesus is showing us here. There, there are two gates, narrow and wide. There are two paths, an easy and a hard. There are two destinations, destruction and life, and there are two groups of people. There are many and there are few. And we have to understand, while this is very simple, what Jesus is calling us to is very, very difficult. It's not easy. And I want us to see this morning the urgency of the gospel message for us personally to, to receive and also for us to be uh, urgent in sharing and proclaiming. Over the last couple of months, we've been in a season of prayer. And I wanted to, so much this morning to scrap this sermon and just preach on prayer. And I've, I've resisted that. And I really think this is why. I, I want you to understand the why behind the, behind the what. Why are we in such a, a season of prayer? Why are we in such a season where we're asking you to join us for seeking the face of God like never before? And here's the, here's the simple answer. We want to see God move in ways he's never moved before. We want to see the, the floodgates of heaven open up and God's spirit to be poured out upon us. We want to see God stir our hearts and, and, and fall in love with him over and over again to yearn for his presence. But not only that, we want to see him save the lost to call people from death to life. Understand, salvation is not merely something that's intellectual. It's not just something you reason in your mind. While there is logic and reason, and hopefully this morning you'll have deeper understanding of what the message of the gospel is intellectually, you'll know something uh, of, of deeper uh, understanding. But here, at the end of the day, there is something supernatural that has to happen. The scripture says that no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draw them. And so why are we in a season of prayer? It's because we want to see God move in our lives and in our church and have His Spirit poured out upon us. But we also want to see men and women move from death to life. You see, the resurrection is something that's supernatural. It's not natural. It defies 
All those natural laws that we operate in, why? Because it's something that only God can do. And the same is true spiritually. For someone to be resurrected spiritually, to move from spiritually dead to spiritual life, no concept of God or even belief in God to having a relationship with Him is not something that we can manufacture. It's something He has to do. And so this is why we are seeking the face of God. We are humbling ourselves before Him. We have to lose our pride. The Scripture says that if anyone would, 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 would know Him, we must humble ourselves and pursue Him. And this is what we're going to do. And this is the season we're in as a church. And, and this message this morning is why this is so important for us as a faith family. So I want you to grab your Bibles. And I'm going to show you a couple of truths here. A couple of truths that we see here. Remember, it's very simple. Two paths. Two gates, two destinations, two groups of people. And the question I want you to wrestle with is which gate are you, have you entered into? Which path are you on? Which destination are you headed for? And what group are you in? That's really the heartbeat of today's message. Let me give you four truths to write down as we walk through this passage. Here, uh, the first one is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. You need to know that everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere, and there are no exceptions to this. Jesus is very clear. He says the, the, the easy way leads to life. I'm sorry, easy way leads to destruction, but the hard way leads to life. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there are two paths, and those two paths leads to one of two destinations. There's a destination of destruction, and there's a destination of life. And here's the point Jesus is making. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Everyone, no exception. Everyone in this room will spend eternity somewhere. Everyone in this city will spend eternity somewhere. Everyone in this state will spend eternity somewhere. Everyone in the nation, everyone in the world, every human being that's ever been born will spend eternity somewhere. The moment human life begins, there is no end, it is eternal. Everyone will live forever. The question is, where will you live forever? That's the heart of what Jesus is showing us here. This is the urgency of the matter. And here's what he simply says. He says, there's one path, one way that's going to lead to destruction. It's the, the broad uh, path. It's the easy path. It's the path where I get to determine my own future. And it's going to lead every single person that's on that path. It will lead to the same destination, and it is to death, destruction. He, Jesus is referring to destruction here. I think he is a, this is a reference to what we would call hell. The Bible is very open about this. Jesus is very honest about this. In fact, it, you know, oftentimes when we think about Jesus' teaching, we underestimate uh, the number of times that Jesus emphasizes hell. Jesus says that hell is a place where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says that hell is a place where uh, we're going to want death, but we can't find it. That, that, that hell is a place where we will... Uh, forever be separated from him it's an awful place and then the reality is you say well what's so awful then why would people go there it's because of our sin we've offended God's holiness we've offended his righteousness God is perfect and he is holy and, and, if, and he's a God of justice which means when there are things that are unjust he must deal with them in a just way and when we offend God's perfection and his holiness the just consequence of that is to be eternally separated from him and this is what our sin, this is not God's fault, this is our fault. We have chosen this. And so there are many, he says, who are going to be on this path. 
because of our hard heart, because of our rebellion, because of our unwillingness to relinquish our pride. And the destination for so many, some in this room, is a place called hell. But then he says this, he's checked this out. He says, but there's another place as well. There's another opportunity. There's another destination. And he says, and it's the, the narrow gate. It's the hard road and it leads to life. And he's talking about eternal, eternal life, a relationship with him, his kingdom. And the scripture describes this. The Bible describes heaven in an amazing way. The, the Bible says that, that heaven will have like the gates that, that, are, that are like pearl. Now, I don't think it's gonna be pearl, but it's like pearl, just beautiful. The streets are going to be like gold. The sea is going to be as clear as, as crystal. That there's going to be no sun, there's no moon, no stars. That the glory of God will be the light forever. There's going to be no darkness, no weeping, no tears, no mourning. That we will know God and enjoy him. See, the crown jewel of heaven is not just the beauty of heaven, but it's the presence of Jesus that we will be able to enjoy and serve him. Heaven is going to be the most amazing experience ever. And this is the point Jesus is making. Every single person will spend eternity at one of these two locations. This is the destination for every person. It's either the place of destruction or a place of eternal life. And the harsh reality is, listen, the harsh reality is, is that Jesus makes the statement and he says that there are going to be more people who choose the wide path than to choose the narrow path. And here's what's crazy. The truth is, listen, listen we're all born on the, on the wide path. We're all born on this path of destruction because of our sin. But listen, because God is loving and he's gracious and he's benevolent and he's full of mercy and he's full of kindness and he is long-suffering and he loves his creation, he, by his grace, has offered a detour from that path. See, I don't know what your concept of God is today in this room, but here's what I want you to know. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And though we deserve his just punishment, he has made it possible for us to have life. That this is who God is. And every single one of us in this room, you will spend eternity somewhere. You will either continue on the path of destruction and be separated forever in a place called hell, or you will choose life. And you'll experience the glory of heaven and relationship with Jesus for all eternity. I mean, it's as simple, is it not? But it's not easy. And this is the reason the majority of people will choose the wide path over the narrow path, why they'll choose the easy road over the hard road. And it's truth number two. Write this down if you're taking notes. This is why so many people will not choose Jesus because following Jesus will not be easy. Following Jesus will not be easy. Now listen, this is the most sobering part of Christianity. You ready for this? Jesus doesn't pull bait and switch. Like I know preachers that do this. Like, they'll just bull bait and switch. They're going to tell you, you just follow Jesus. He'll make you happy, healthy, wealthy. All things will go great in your life, and you're going to have everything you've ever wanted. Just follow Jesus, and all will be well. That's not the message of Jesus. The most sobering thing about authentic Christianity is that there is no fine print with the gospel. Y'all know what I'm talking about with fine print. Like, you ever been sick, and you grab some medicine, and you're like, this medicine, and it describes all of the conditions and symptoms that you have. And you're like, okay, it'll treat this, 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 and this. I have this, 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 and this. And then you go a little further, you put your readers on, and you get down to the fine print. Like the half font that's down there. And then you start reading everything that you could have go wrong with you if you take the medication. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'll just keep whatever I have because I'm far much better with that. 
There's no fine print with the gospel. Jesus is as is, is clear as possible. Following me is not easy. Following me is difficult. Following me is going to cost you everything. And this is the reason most people will not choose Jesus. It's because they want their own control. They want to be autonomous in their own life. They want to be able to determine their own future, their own path, their own destiny. And following Jesus demands that we relinquish those rights. I mean, just think about the life of the Christian as we see here in the Sermon on the Mount. It's costly. It's a hard path. It's a narrow path. It's a lonely path. It's a persecuted path. It's a path of self-denial. It's a path that demands that you die to yourself. And none of us in and our, of ourself, in our nature, want that. That's why we need the supernatural work of God to open our eyes to see what we cannot see. It's not easy. And check this out. It's a path where he says, you want to follow me? Following me means that I'm going to so radically transform you that you're going to love your enemy. You're going to pray for those who persecute you. Some of you are like, I pray for people who persecute me. I pray God would strike them down every day. (laughs) Now, I mean actually pray blessings into their life. Following Jesus says that you can't play the game of religion. There's no room for hypocrisy. That we're so transformed that we... We, we rejoice in suffering and we count persecution as a blessing. That's a hard life. And Jesus says it here. He says the, 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 the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. There's no bait and switch here. I don't want anyone to be confused. Listen, following Jesus is the greatest thing you will ever do. But but make no mistake, apart from his power and presence in your life, it is the hardest thing you will ever do. Because it wars against everything in me that wants autonomy, that wants my way. And he calls me to die to myself. This is the words of Jesus. Matthew 16, verse 24. If anyone would come after me, follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Understand that last phrase, what he's saying here. If you will relinquish your life to me, you'll actually find life. But if you hold on to your life, you'll actually lose your life. He's talking about eternity here. Remember the game when you were kids, finders, keepers, losers, weepers? Right? You grab something. Jesus is saying, losers, finders, keepers, weepers. You relinquish, you get. If you hold on to, you lose. Following me costs you everything. This is Jesus' message. Now, can I just be honest with you? Let's just be honest, all right? Frank in the room. This is the worst marketing strategy in the history of ever. <laughs> right? Like, you're going to go start a movement. You want people to follow, and you're going to try to start this religion. You never start it with, hey, come follow me, and you're probably going to die. <laughs> Who's going with me? Like Jerry Maguire moment. Who's going with me? No. Yet the message of Jesus has turned the world upside down, and this is fundamentally the message of Jesus. Follow me. It'll cost you everything. But in it, you're going to get life. I mean, real life. 
And this is beautiful because Jesus is just honest. It's costly and it's difficult and it's going to be hard. And yet that message is what's changed the world. Here's the reality for all of us in this room. Listen, we got to hear it. Kingdom life is radically different. And I want every single person in this room to know Christ, to love him, to follow him and pursue him. But I am not going to come up here and soften the message of Jesus to make it easier for you. Jesus had 12 disciples from his, that he called originally. Ten of those 12 disciples died martyrs' death, according to history. Ten of those 12 died martyrs' death. So what about the other two? One of them was Judas. Judas sold Jesus out because the cost was too great. Here's the way I would frame it with Judas. Judas didn't want to pay the price. He wanted to be paid a price. So he left Jesus, hanged himself. The only other disciple that didn't die a martyr's death is the apostle John who was abandoned on an island called Patmos where he died lonely after being beaten and whipped for years. And you know the singular reason these, 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 these martyrs and, in, and the hundreds of others in the first century? You know the reason they went to their grave? It's because they never got over the fact that they saw Jesus die on Friday and alive on Sunday. And they recognized, they came to this realization that, that yes, following him is hard, and yes, it's difficult, and yes, it's a lonely road, and it's a hard road, but he died and he resurrected, and we saw him, and we can't deny the miracle of who he is, and the resurrection so overwhelmed the heart and gripped the life of these men. They went to the grave one by one. All they would have had to do is to say, it's too hard, it's not convenient, it's not easy, I quit, he didn't resurrect, but they didn't. One after the other, they went to their grave. Why? Because they saw Jesus get out of the grave. And it wasn't easy, but it was definitely worth it. So here's number three. Here's number three. Listen to this. So follow the flow. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Following Jesus will not be easy. But listen to this. But you got to understand Jesus is the only way to life. Jesus is the only way to life. In verse 13, look what he says here. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Now, I want you to re be reminded that it's Jesus talking. So in our, in our current culture, in our current world, there's a lot of people that love Jesus but hate Christianity. And here's why. We, we try to manipulate the teaching of Jesus because when you fundamentally look at the teaching of Jesus, you're kind of overwhelmed because like, this is a good life. When you read the kingdom life, if people really lived like this, how radical would that be? How transformative in the world would it be for us to really live the kingdom life? So the, the secular world has a hard time. They don't know what to do with Jesus because on one hand, you look at this, and you're like, yes, that's what life should be. But you, you, you also got to understand that you can't just pick and choose what you take of Jesus. Jesus also said there's only one gate that leads to life. You see, Jesus did not come just to be a great moral teacher. He did not come to be just a, another prophet of God. Jesus came as God in the flesh. 
God with skin on, the God who created us, that we rebelled against, loved us so much that he became one of us so that he could live the life we could not live, die the death we deserve to die, resurrect so that we in him might find life. And this is why when Jesus gets to this moment in the sermon, he wants us to understand there is a narrow gate. But listen to this. Notice the language. He says, enter in the If you circle, underline, highlight in your Bible, please, the the, don't overlook it. This is important. The narrow gate. Why is that important? That's what we call a definite article. Jesus is referring to a particular thing. And notice the words of Jesus. Enter in the narrow gate. Not the gates. Not a gate. The. There's one. And only one. So say what you will, say what you want about Jesus. Jesus is saying there's only one way that life can be found for you and me, and that is found in him and him alone. And Jesus doesn't apologize for that. In in secular culture, one of the things that is interesting, and, and again, this is where logic and reason comes in, because it just doesn't make sense. The offense of Christianity is that how in the world could you be so exclusive? Because Being inclusive is kind of the highest value of the world system. Except for we get to choose which we're going to say includes and not includes, right? Like we we will include everybody unless we don't like this group, then we can exclude that group. So there's a lot of inconsistencies in the culture. Would we all agree with that? But the reason the gospel is so offensive is because of the exclusive exclusive nature of the gospel. But, But let me help you with this. So listen to this. The gospel is unapologetically exclusive in the most inclusive way. Some of you think you just lost your ever-loving mind. (laughs) It is the most exclusive, unapologetically exclusive message in the most inclusive way. Why? Jesus is the only way. That's exclusive. There's no other way. There's not a second route. There's not a back door. There's not another gate. There's not another way. There's one gate, one person, one man. His name is Jesus. That's exclusive. But listen, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's inclusive. Exclusive. He's the only way, inclusive. Anyone that wants to know him can. Now we can shake our fist at God and say that's unfair, or we can say, by your grace and mercy, you could have given me no way, but you've given me a way. And that's found in Christ and Christ alone. This is the power of who Jesus is. The words of Jesus, listen to this. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus says, he who has the Son himself has life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. What is the gospel in summary? Listen to this. It's the good news. That's what gospel means. It's the good news, though we deserve God's judgment. By his grace, he has let Jesus absorb the judgment for us. And so that in his resurrection, we might be forgiven and have eternal life. So the Sermon on the Mount, when you read that, this is not a self-help path to a better life. I have a, have a pastor that I listen to. He, he calls the Sermon on the Mount impossible Christianity. And here's his point. 
When you read the Sermon on the Mount, you look at it and you say, it's impossible, who could ever do this? And the answer is what? Jesus can, Jesus did. And in him, all of what he has done can be mine. And now by his power, him living inside of me, I can. If you've never trusted in Jesus today, that is the message. And Jesus is the only hope, which leads me to number four. The number four is the natural conclusion when you come through this. Let me walk you through it again. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Following Jesus will not be easy. Jesus is the only way to life. The gospel demands an urgent response. The gospel demands an urgent response. Now grab your Bibles again, and I want you to do something. I want you to grab your Bibles and that verse 14, if you're, again, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to write in your Bible. It's a good way of taking notes. But I want to show you something that's important here. I want you to circle or underline or highlight the word enter. The word enter is crucial here. I'm going to tell you why it's crucial. Jesus is coming to the end of his sermon. And like every preacher, he's going to land the plane and give a, a response. And Jesus is coming to part of the response. And so just think about for a second, who is the primary audience in the crowd? It's the disciples, right? The followers of Jesus. But who else is in the crowd? The crowd. Unbelievers. The rest of the world. Religious leaders. People from all walks of life. They're all there. The sinners. The tax collectors. The do-gooders. The religious leaders. All of them. They're all there. He's got his disciples. And he's showing them, this is what kingdom life looks like. He's teaching those who are following him. Everyone is listening. And Jesus now comes to the end of the message. And now he's going to call for a moment of, and I believe this moment of response that Jesus is going to give, he's inviting everyone. He's saying, to you disciples who are following me, you understand. To those who've been listening, you understand. And then Jesus, I believe with passion, he says to them, now, what do I do? And here's the answer. Enter the narrow gate. The word enter there is what's called an aorist active imperative. So what does that mean? In the original language, imperative is, it simply means a command, something you're called to do, commanded to do. And active means that you do it. It's something you do. He's calling you to do something, not passive where somebody else does it for you. Aorist is the idea of now, urgent, this moment, definitive decision. So when Jesus comes in, he doesn't just casually go, now, enter the narrow gate. No, he's saying, enter the narrow gate. Make a decision. Do something with what you've heard. Understand there are two gates, there are two paths, there are two destinations, there are two groups, and you've got to make a decision what you're going to take and what you're going to do and what group you're going to be a part of. Enter. He calls them to a definitive moment of decision. Let me just help you. No one osmoses into the gospel. No one is born by birth into the kingdom. The Bible says, listen, to enter the kingdom, there has to be a personal choice of response, of trusting, an action that you take. Not that what you do saves you, but you're actively trusting in what's been done for you by Jesus. Let me give you the example in the Bible of this. Nicodemus is a religious leader. John chapter 3, this man has done everything religion has to offer, and he still finds himself empty, lacking, and wanting. He comes to Jesus by night, and my personal opinion on this, which opinions really don't matter, but my personal opinion is he comes to Jesus at night, I think, because he can't sleep. 
I think he's watching the life of Jesus and he's watching the miracles of Jesus. He's hearing the message of Jesus and he's, he's wrestling with, what do I need to do? What more do I need to do? H- how can I get what he's got? There's something, I'm doing everything I feel like I'm supposed to do, but nothing is, is happening in my life. And so Jesus com- or Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he approaches Jesus and he gives this little flattery. Hey, I know you're sent from God. And Jesus just cuts through it all. And I love it because the Bible says Jesus answers a question that Nicodemus didn't ask. I love that. I love that because, listen, Jesus knows our heart. He knows what we need. He knows what's eating at Nicodemus. And so before Nicodemus could even get to it, Jesus looks at him and says, Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Enter the narrow gate. And what does Jesus say it requires for us to enter the narrow gate into the kingdom. We must be born again. In American Christianity, we have watered down salvation to you just praying a prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. But what we have watered down to just praying a prayer so you can go to heaven when you die, Jesus says, listen, that's not what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to be born again, to be made new to be born from, from the inside, like a, become a new person, a new creation, to be transformed, to have the Spirit of God awaken your dead heart to life so that you might experience the salvation that I came to bring. And this is the definitive call that Jesus makes. Listen, every single one of us are born on the wide path. But the moment we become aware that we are on the wrong path and we are aware and we, we, we know that there is a, a narrow road and a better path and a trusting in Jesus is what we need, we are responsible then to make a decision of what we're gonna do. And what God is calling us to do in salvation is not merely pray some prayer and then go about with our life. That's not salvation. He is calling us to relinquish our life to him so that we might be born of the spirit of God, be made alive so that we can be transformed. And listen, follow, love, and serve him forever. You see, there are so many people right now in churches, according to Billy Graham statistics, he kind of threw out there years ago, he believes that 85% of people who attend church every week are going to hell. And you know this, listen, Jesus says more people are going to hell than to heaven. Why? Because we don't want to surrender. And there are so many people who are convinced they're going to heaven because they prayed some prayer or because they go to church or because they're a good moral person. But if you really get down and you're honest, look, you don't love Jesus. You don't desire Jesus. You don't want to serve Jesus. And listen, if if, if you're born again, you will love him. You will desire him. You will want to serve him. But if that's not a reality in your life, most likely you've never been born again. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to be very simple, but not easy. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Ask you to bow your heads. And we're going to take a few moments and just respond. And listen, I'm asking you just to kind of stay locked in for a few minutes because there's going to be two groups that I'm going to talk to. There are some of you in this room and you, if you were honest with where you are, if you, based upon what I've just talked about, you would have to put yourself in, I am not a believer, I have never been born again, I, I've never been saved category. And then some of you might put yourself in the category of, I don't know that I am. I'm not certain that I am. And so this morning, whatever 
you're in in those categories, whether you are certain, I don't know Christ, I, I need to be born again, I'm, I've never been born again, or I, I'm not certain about that, here's what I want you to know today. You can leave today with certainty that you know Christ. You can leave with certainty today knowing that you belong to Him. But the invitation for you this morning is not merely just say a few words and all is good. I want you to understand, listen, Jesus says, enter the narrow gate. Why? Because it leads to the narrow, hard path. Jesus is inviting you into relationship where his death washes away your sin and his life now is what controls you and consumes you, that you pursue him, that you trust in him, and in that you are born again to a brand new life where he is king and you are not. If you've never trusted in that, if you've never made that decision today, that's where you need to start. You need to know Christ. You need to be saved. If you're uncertain of that, let's make certain today. So how do I do that? I'm going I'm to tell you, I mean, I think it's simply confessing that you need Christ just saying, God, I need to be born again. I need to be saved. I don't even know what that looks like, but I know that I need you in my life. I believe that you died and resurrected, and I want life in you. And as simple as that, but listen, it's not easy. So here's what I'm going to do. So I'm not playing games this morning. I'm not playing games. I just want, I want to be as honest and loving as I can and give you an opportunity. If you're here today with no one looking around, and you say, I I think I need that. I need to be made new. I need to come to faith in Christ. I need to trust him as a Lord and Savior, or I am uncertain if I ever have. I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. Remember, following Jesus is not easy. Do something very bold. With no one looking around, I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. If that is you in this room and you want to trust Christ as your Savior, I need to be born again. I am uncertain of my salvation, but I want to be born again. I want to be made new. I want to have life. I want to enter the narrow gate today. I'm going to ask you to take the courage right now where you are. That is you with no one looking around. Just stand up. Just stand up. I want to be able to pray over you. There's some of you, you sense the spirit of God stirring in your heart that you need this. And fear is setting in. I'm going to encourage you. Listen, you choose life today. So right now where you are, just stand to your feet. So eyes right here just for a minute. So here's the thing, listen. No one stood. And I'm okay with that. That leads me to one of two conclusions. Either some of you know you definitively need to give your life to Jesus and today you were saying no to salvation. You were choosing the path of destruction over the path of life. So that's some of you in there, that's where you are. I want you to know in a moment we're going to pray and there's going to be an opportunity for you to come and talk to someone if you have questions about it. But understand, the lack of, of, of 
someone standing, just tells me if you're not, if you've never trusted in Christ, praise Jesus right here. And you're choosing. Anybody want to stand with this brother? To say, I too, I, I, I'm not a Christian. I want to. Let's celebrate that right now. That's courage. Pastor Matt, get some of our encouragers. Go ahead and make their way up. So there's some of you need this kind of courage. And you need to get serious about Jesus this morning. But there are others of you, because you're, you're going to say no, and I, I'm going to pray that God would change your heart for the day is over. But then there are some of you, you know Christ. You know him and you walk with him. And you have friends and, and loved ones in your life who do not know him. You don't have a relationship with him. I want you to remember this morning that everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Those neighbors, that coworker, those kids on the baseball team, those students in your classroom, they will spend eternity somewhere. And if you say you know Christ, you have chosen to enter into the narrow gate and you are on the, the hard path that leads to life and you know others who are on the path of destruction, how can we passively sit by and not engage and not share and not plead with God to save them and not cry out to God to intervene, to come in and to change their life? How can we passively see? It's simple. We all know this, but it's not easy. How many of you would say this morning, you know, without a doubt, you know there are people in your life that need Christ. They're without Christ. They're in your life. They're friends, neighbors, coworkers, relatives, whoever. Raise your hand if that's you. So this morning, we're going to pray for salvation. And so this altar is going to be open, and we're going to have an opportunity for us to respond this morning. And here's how I want this respond to be. I don't, I don't, I'm going to rephrase the question. How many of you would say you have not just people you know that are saved, but you have people in your life right now that you're burdened about. Like you're, you're praying and you're asking God to save them and you're, you're starting to sense this, I can't sleep and I wake up in the night thinking about them. I'm gonna ask you, if that's to you, don't, don't raise your hand, don't lie if it's not you. How many of you right now know that you have a burden, that you have a burden for a specific person in your life right now that needs Jesus? Just raise your hand, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand up. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everyone who raised their hand and says, I've got a burden about a specific person. I, I have someone in my life that I know don't, that doesn't know Christ. I'm going to ask you just to come forward, just to come make your way. And listen, this is kind of, I know some of you, this is like, this is weird. That's okay. Church is weird. And the reason I'm asking you to come forward, because here's what I want. I, I want us to, we're taking an action step today. You are confessing right now that you have a specific burden for someone that you care about who doesn't know Christ. And we know that salvation does not happen simply by man's efforts. Everybody agree with that? Salvation happens when the Spirit of God calls someone to get out of the grave. Moves them from death to life. But God has called you to be the messengers of resurrection. To go and proclaim that there is life outside the tomb. And God needs to give you the courage and the boldness to go simply have a conversation with someone. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for two things, and I want you to pray along with me. I'm, I want you to pray specifically for the names of the people that you're, you're thinking about. 
I don't know who they are, but God does. You confess that to him. I'm going to pray that God would save them. I'm going to join you in that prayer. And then I'm going to pray that God would fill you with his spirit and to give you the boldness and courage that you would be the messenger, that you would not, God, would you intervene? No, how about would you let God use you to intervene? The church of, of Jesus in Acts, they prayed for courage. And guess what God gave them? Courage and boldness, and they went in his name, and lives were changed, and that same thing can happen in you. So here's what we do. Let's bow our heads. For those of you who are standing and you're not there yet, I'm going to ask you to pray that God would give you a burden, would stir your hearts, and if you need to be saved, that you would give up today and come and meet Jesus. So as I pray for these needs, you pray for what's happening in your heart as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, I'm praying by your Spirit, that every name that's being lifted up by these individuals, the burden that's being carried of those who are without you, God, I'm asking that every single person, every name being lifted up, that no matter where they are, where they're standing, what they're doing, I pray that right now that your spirit would invade their space and that you would begin to make them aware of their need for you. Lord, they may not know what's happening. They may not know where this is coming from, but God, I'm praying even as I pray. I'm not asking tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I'm asking right now, would you begin to stir in their hearts, helping them recognize there is something missing in their life and that what they need is to go talk to someone, to be prayed for, to go to a pastor, a friend, pick up a, the phone and call a parent or a child. God, I'm praying that there would be a movement right now for the individuals being prayed for as I pray in this moment. I pray even, Lord, that you would send a stranger to them even now just to share the message of hope, share the message of good news, and God, that you would begin a work that would ultimately bring salvation. I pray for the day that we would see these individuals baptized and, 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 to, and to declare that they are, are yours and they belong to you. So God, we're asking for this right now now in the name of Jesus. And then, God, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to fill this church. Every individual standing here saying that they have a burden for a specific person that is lost, I'm praying that you will give them supernatural courage and boldness to go in the power of the Holy Spirit and proclaim the simple message of the gospel so that they could see their friend loved ones at least have an opportunity to respond to you. God, we leave the results to you you have not asked us to save. You have asked us to proclaim salvation. And God, let us do our part as you do your part. God, I'm asking for this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen.